Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Drinking Well, a podcast by Berry Brothers and Rudd, with me, Barbara Drew. As a wine merchant, one of the questions we get asked most often is, what shall I serve at Christmas? For this week's episode, we sit down with account manager Tom Cave and educator Rebecca Lamont to discuss the sparkling, sweet and fortified wines you should be opening this Christmas. Tom, you've been working at Barry Brothers and Rudd for how long now? Just turned 35 years. Good grief. And tell us a little bit about what you've been doing in that time at Barry Brothers and Rudd. Well, while here, very much customer facing, um, ever since working in the shop, right through to, okay, it's more email based now, but it's the same same ethos, I think, of talking to customers and selling them some wine and looking after their wine. Helping them to drink better. Exactly. Fantastic. And Rebecca, you are one of our key educators. You have been teaching for a very long time, not just about wine. Originally started teaching music, is that right? right. Stringed instruments, yeah. Had great fun teaching violin, viola, cello, double bass, all at the same time in a classroom. Loved it. Each music class was a mini orchestra. But maybe that drove me to wine. Who knows? But uh, very happy to be teaching wine now. And was there a specific bottle that got you into wine or was it a a gradual inching towards the wine industry? Uh, Well, do you know what? I would like to say it's a bottle of Cheval Blanc that took my attention. I was going to... um, a wine dinner of a, a, a wine committee for wine lovers in Bermuda of all places. And I was invited to this dinner and there were lovely wines, but the wine that I went, wow, was a glass of Cheval Blanc. I think it was probably a vintage from the 70s, like the aroma, but the silky texture. I just thought, wow, wine is something to be explored. And have have adventures with wine. I love that phrase, having adventures with wine. I think that's beautiful. Well, we're here today to talk about the wines that we should or could be drinking this Christmas and particularly looking at sparkling wines Mm. and also sweet and fortified wines. Now, we often focus on the main event, the white wines, the red wines. And I think sometimes the sparkling, the sweet, the fortified can be somewhat overlooked. So we're going to put that right today. So I'm going to start with you, Tom. And is there a particular sparkling aperitif or a bottle of sparkling wine that for you kicks off Christmas? Very possibly. I think I'm going to probably throw the cart a little bit, but I'd probably have a glass of Riesling before I go on to that. Marvellous. Um, I think that's just, that's probably the most important thing about Christmas Day to me is that very important glass of nice Riesling, maybe from the Moselle, probably mm. from Prum, but just delicious. Mm. But then after that, absolutely, a glass of champagne really gets the taste buds going and makes you look forward to, to lunch. Usually it's lunch. Great fan of Paul Roger, obviously. I just think 
bottle of that's opened and the, the room fills out with that, that distinct aroma mm. of Paul Rocher. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, wonderful vintages recently. 2008 is just a cracking vintage. Still quite youthful, but no harm in that. Lovely. Rebecca, you're nodding there in agreement I with am, champagne aperitif. Yes. So love to have a magnum of Paul Roger to start off the day, if at all possible. Again, I think it's a beautiful champagne. It's a very elegant champagne. And also it's got great memories for me. At Christmas time, we're thinking about all our loved ones surrounding us. And we're also thinking of people who aren't with us anymore. And for me, Paul Roger is very poignant for that. So I love to start the day. And the Magnum is just that extra little bit yeasty and full. Couldn't agree more, Tom. Moselle reasoning's got to be in there somewhere as well. Well, any reasoning, really. <laughs> so, yes, a huge fan. But but for me, it's to start the day. In a way, that's the aperitif of the day. But, you know, there's, there's the day before, there's Christmas Eve, there's Boxing Day. Gosset is on my radar at the moment. Gosset sort of, I sort of think of this very beautiful swishing silk curtain when I think of Gosset. And I, I just like the movement of Gosset, the freshness of Gosset and the elegance of Gosset. So that's going to be on my list this year. And, and you said about the 2008. Well, yes, it's got to be a special bottle this year, hasn't it? If you've yes. got it in your cellar, Definitely. it's time to bring it out. So fresh, but also very pure and there's some richness there. Yep. So it's got everything. Is that yeah, right, it's a, it's a really good vintage. Yeah. Yep. So tell us about the sort of balance between vintage and non-vintage champagnes. Do mm. you think that Christmas should only be a time for vintage champagnes, prestige cuvee champagnes? Do we think there's a place for non-vintage champagnes at Christmas? Tell me, what are your thoughts? I'm perfectly happy with non-vintage champagne and actually tend to keep it longer. It's already had the adequate amount of time and probably a couple of extra years anyway. But to give it another two years adds that little bit extra to it. That's really interesting because often we think of vintage champagne as it's bottled ready to drink and mm -hmm. you certainly can drink it. Mm -hmm. This idea that you could age it for a few more years to give it a little bit of extra complexity. That's very interesting yeah, indeed. Yeah, I have to say I'm not that organised. If it's non-vintage, again, very, very happy with non-vintage, but if it's there, it's it's there to be enjoyed straight away, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean, vintage champagne is such a treat because there's so much talk about, you know, the deluxe cuvées that sometimes the vintage category of champagne is completely overlooked and represents terrific value for money, I think, because of the, the complexity that you can get in a vintage champagnes. We've already mentioned the 2008. Are there yeah. any other vintages in Champagne that you're looking at at the moment and thinking, wow, that is just tasting fantastic? Well, if you still can find 2002, this is an amazing vintage as well. Um, such terrific richness. But obviously, the more that we drink, the less there is around. So it's a real treasure trove if you can find that. Or maybe you've got some in your cellar still. Have you got any 2002? I have, actually. Would you oh. like to share? Oh. <laughs> I've got some. It's a Magnum's a vintage pull, actually. Oh, yeah. very nice. But they're going to be fully ready now. I'm, when the occasion comes, I, I will drink them. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to keep them for too much longer. No. I think 04 and 06 are in a good place. All right, okay. Drinking now. Yeah. Just as so, added so, a little bit of extra. And the difference between 04 and 06? I think 06 is a little bit fuller. Yeah. Rebecca, you touched on English sparkling oh, wine yes. there. Yeah. And this is something that has really 
taken off in it recent has. years. It's so exciting. Very, very popular, particularly yes. in the UK. So do yeah. you have any favourites, any recommendations for us there? Well, there is such a, a choice and there's more sparkling wine uh, houses popping up all the time. But, you know, why not have um, Hambledon, the Berry Zone selection? I mean, that is such a crisp refreshing but full glass of wine and that will work perfectly with an aperitif at any point over Christmas and it's just wonderful to see so many people getting so excited about it and choosing it uh, as an alternative to to all the other sparkling wines out there whether it's Prosecco whether it's Champagne whether it's Cremant. I think Tillingham is an, an unusual one and, and they're doing some wonderful coulées as well uh, to try. And then, of course, Night Timber. And they even do a sweet sparkling wine, wow. which could be fabulous with Christmas cake. So or it's difficult to get hold of. So if you can see the sweet one, you know, I'd grab hold of it because it's always in short supply, that one. Potentially controversial question oh. mm-hmm. around serving champagne or indeed any sparkling wine Rebecca you've mentioned English sparkling wines mm-hmm. and of course there are some wonderful cremants from yeah. around France as well mm-hmm. do either of you opt for anything other than the traditional flute for your champagne oh, great question <laughs> absolutely so something with much more of a bowl still a long stem and a narrow aperture at the top but much more of a bowl. So this could be a wine glass if a champagne glass is, is just a flute and not bowl shaped. But I've noticed a lot of bowl shaped uh, champagne glasses coming on, them, on yeah. the market now. Yeah, the old flute is a little bit underperforming, I think. Mm. Mm. Something a bit more of a tulip shape. Tulip, there's That's the word the I was looking for, Marvelous. tulip. And what about those sort of broad, open coupe glasses? Any space for those in your... Uh, yes, I think I'm going to be... They're not ideal for the wine, but they're very elegant. And they're probably quite old, and they've got a lovely weight to them. Most of them survived, because I think there was a bit of a clear out of most of those. But I think they're quite, they're quite fun in a way. And at Christmas, the wine's not going to stay in the glass for that long. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't see any harm in... Again, I couldn't agree that. more with Tom. I just love the shape of a coupe. And they just feel so, so elegant, don't they? And, and fun. And, you know, if you're having the coupe, it's because you, you're enjoying company and you're sipping quite quickly. Yeah. You don't need to stop and enjoy the aroma at every point. So coupe is wonderful. Yeah. I like that. I think sometimes there is this pressure. You must have the perfect glass for mm. your wine. And actually it can it can put too much pressure yep. on the occasion. Yes. Yeah. And, 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 and as we know, champagne often tastes best out of doors where you might want a picnic and you will use whatever receptacle you have to hand mm. and it will taste delicious. There we go. Paper cup if needs be. <laughs> of well, course. That, yes, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so finally on the on the sparkling wine front, do either of you serve this throughout the meal? Do you have it at other occasions around Christmas time other than an aperitif? Or does it stay firmly in the aperitif category? There's always going to be a party, isn't there? And that's where Champagne perhaps is overdoing it. Mention our own berries, creme, which is quite delicious. And it's, it's really very, very good as a party sparkling wine. And why is that? Do you think? I think it's just it's very fresh. It's just the ideal party drinking. You know, it just seems to work. Works mm. very well. And it's softer, and it's good. isn't it? It's a yeah. little bit softer than champagne, so it's easier to drink. Yeah. Really. Again, I agree with Tom. Berry's Cremant is absolutely fantastic. I think 
To be honest with you, we're drinking champagne as an aperitif. I'm certainly not against having it as a food wine, but I think you're trying to accomplish so much with so many people at Christmas time, wanting to please everybody. So probably stick to champagne as an aperitif, but when it's not Christmas, I'm probably more likely to have it as a food wine with a fish dish or something like that. The acidity working very, very nicely with lots of different foods. There. Yeah, totally. And again, something very aged, I think. An aged yeah. champagne is fabulous with food. Thoughts on champagne cocktails, Rebecca? Do you ever put your champagne, Ooh. mix it with some spirits for a Christmas champagne cocktail? Well, you know, I have been known to add the, a little tiny weeny drop of King's Ginger to a glass of champagne. And I have been known to add some fresh orange juice as well, but I would need I would need more inspiration from you, Barbara, on that one. Gin, perhaps? French seventy five? Mm. What do we think? No, I'm any, not I'm any space I'm for not, that. Not over happy with that. Tom is shaking his head quite sternly here. <laughs> so yeah, gin with gin with sherry, the Cotswell cocktail is a something people should try once, but it's it's not a favourite. I think a champagne cocktail in one of those coups with the, the sugar lump with Angostura bitters. Like that's, I'm quite happy oh, with that. That's a, nice. That is a good... Mm. That does if sound. you have to have a champagne cocktail. You would rather have it unadulterated. I, yes, I yeah. think I would too, too, if I'm really honest, yeah. Another of the wines I want to focus on is sweet wines. It feels as though these are almost unique to Christmas. It feels that in many households, sweet wines are wheeled out at Christmas time. Yes. Do yeah. you think there is still a place for sweet wines around the Christmas table or have they had their day? Tom? I think it's Christmas is, is probably the time everyone should have a sweet wine just to remind themselves just how wonderful they, they can be and maybe drink them a little bit more often than just at Christmas. The Christmas table, by the time you come to pudding, quite a lot going on there. <laughs> and I think the poor sweet wine especially with Christmas pudding, which I don't think it's ideal with. If you're going to have a sweet wine properly on Christmas, you might even have it with some, a starter, with um, Ooh. foie gras. Yes. A starter. It's quite a rich meal, yeah. isn't it? But, yeah. Um, that, have you that done does that? Have you yeah, done no, that? absolutely. Yeah. Oh, wow. Amazing. We like to have a big gap between the main course and the Christmas pudding. Good idea. We will have the big gap and then we'll come back for the Christmas pudding. And yeah, there's lots of things to try. I'm currently on the PX with Christmas pudding, the Lustau PX, Pedro Jimenez. That's the sherry. Yes, the sherry. I love that with Christmas pudding. But also the East India as well, I think is great. But for Christmas pudding itself, which is so rich, my vote is for the PX, but just a little dot, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot. In wine school, so in the Pickering Cellar, recently, each night we have a, a vote for the wine of the night. And consistently, I'm very delighted to say, the wine of the night has been the sweet wine. Yeah. It's been the botrytized wine. So it's been, you know, a Sauterne, it's been a Selection de Grand Noble uh, from Alsace. Um, I think this is wonderful. Tokai, um, I've got to put a Tokai, word for Tokai. of they course, are, yeah. That's, that's a, it's a wonderful wine. Really wonderful to hear. Yeah. Because I think there is often a feeling um, amongst people who enjoy wine that they, they don't like sweet wine, but actually if you put these wines uh, in front of people to try, all yeah. of a sudden they realise, gosh, this 
is delicious yeah. and it's well balanced and it's got the acidity to go with yeah. with yeah. food. So that's yeah, that's really and, great. And to of hear. course, it it goes a long way. You know, even exactly. a half bottle goes a long yeah. way. Yeah. Even if you've got you know a multitude of ten round the table, uh, that that can give a nice little soup song to everybody. And I think. Okay, I haven't started the meal with a sauterne myself. I know, you know, at various French evenings we, we've done that, but at home we haven't done that. But certainly over the Christmas period, you know, when you're maybe a Boxing Day, having some pate. And cheese, is it? And it's cheese, of softer course, cheeses. you know, treating yourself to a wonderful cheese board. Then absolutely, this is the time to enjoy a whole range of sweet wines. Like nineteen eighty-eight Sodero and uh, Wigmore sheep's cheese was oh. was probably the best food and wine match I've I've had. Fantastic. Okay. Eighty-eight. Okay. Nineteen eighty-eight Sodero and Wigmore sheep's cheese. Making a note that that's going to be added to the Christmas <laughs> table this year. That's wonderful. What would you say, Tom, to people who say, oh, sweet wine, it's too rich. I can't possibly match it with food. What would your what would your suggestions be? Well, as I say, with cheese, it, it really does. It probably works. I think, personally think it most of the time works better with cheese than it does with quite a lot of puddings. Um, Fantastic. So maybe going for a slightly more savoury match and not mm. actually pairing it with a rich, no. rich dessert. Yeah. A lighter pudding, yes. And let the wine... I actually quite often think the wine should probably dominate the, the food. So, so the, for those yeah. who've maybe had a little bit too much to eat, instead of another helping of Christmas pudding, mm. simply a glass of Simply a glass on its own, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a lovely idea, to have a glass on its own as the pudding. I like Sauterne with appley dishes. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it could be a lot of apple with a little bit of mincemeat, you know, stewed apple. I think that would be a fabulous combination and that might be, you know, a dish to enjoy over the Christmas period. It's the time to really treat yourself to the amazing cheese board. Um, so you mentioned Burkeswell, Rachel is another one I've had and looking forward to ordering this year. So a, a goat one. And then of course, you know, the Swiss cheeses to explore and the favorite Conte and maybe a little bit of Beaufort as a treat and oh that's probably the highlight for me is choosing the cheese i just love it and um again you can try it with white wine red wine but also all the different kinds of sweet wine we've got some lovely straw wine the moulinier straw wine have you tried that yeah wonderful i'm desperate to try that and i think that's going to be great it's an interesting comment rebecca because often we can get into this train of thought where sweet wine means so turned or Tokai, but there are so many wonderful sweet wines from around the world. Yeah. And the Italian Recciottos, oh, yes. both the red and the white, delicious. Mm. And yeah, straw wine, which is um, Chenin Blanc, mm-hmm. um, our wonderful Klein Constantia as well. Of beautiful course. South African sweet yeah. wines. So many to choose from. Mm. So if people are looking for a sweet wine, whether it's to go with their Christmas pudding, whether it's to go with the cheese board, whether it's to have on its own, in lieu of a dessert. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot to choose from. Mm. Tom, do you have any favorite producers? You mentioned the 1988 Sudero and any other favorite um, Sauterne or sweet wine producers that you have lurking in your cellar? Tokai, I would go to mention again. Mm. I think that's something I'm going to investigate more, having tried some yesterday, which is just really lovely. Other Sauternes, I mean, 
Dozzy Vedrine is, is what we were all brought up on. It's very, very good. Dozzy Diane has definitely got a little bit more to it. So that's, that's another good one to look out for. Now, Rebecca, you have mentioned a few other wines that you really enjoy matching with Christmas pudding. The Sherry's, the Pedro Jimenez. Yeah. And also the East India, which is a mm-hmm. sweet sherry by Lustau. Yeah. Tom, tell me your thoughts on sherry. Um, is this a wine that has come round again? Is this something we should all be putting on our Christmas table? Without doubt. It's one of the greatest wines in the world and it's still remarkably good value. It's, it's, it's wonderful. The wine trade have always loved cherry. My old housemaster loved cherry so much he drank it from a tankard. But that, that was for slightly different reasons. <laughs> but the, the range of sherry is, is, is just, it's just fantastic. You've got your, from the wonderfully dry manzanilla, Fino, uh, and increasingly as we go into winter, I'm looking out for Paolo Cortado's Oloroso. Oh, yes. Um, they're, they're just wonderful. You know, once the bottle's open, it stays open. And let's face it, during those Christmas days, you need to have a bottle of something like a really nice sherry tucked away, <laughs> maybe quietly in a corner somewhere, <laughs> just for those quiet moments when you want a glass of something, perhaps around 11 o'clock. <laughs> so this tradition of bringing out the open sherry bottle, perhaps before before lunch. There is merit to this. Should we all have a bottle of sherry lurking in the house somewhere? Oh, was it maybe not on Christmas Day itself, but just there are those other days. It's all part of Christmas. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I love sherry as an aperitif, but I think um, fino sherry will show me a dish fino sherry cannot go with. I think it is the most versatile wine and you have to try it with food. You know, a, a lot of people try it without food. Please try it with food. Oh my goodness, it's just amazing. What's the one recipe you would recommend for someone who's perhaps not tried Fino Sherry before? They want to try it with food. What should they pair it with? Well, if you like almonds, if you like nuts, uh, try some Marcona almonds. And if you like cured meats, try some of that. But if you like sort of lots of vegetables then a sort of vegetable terrine would be fantastic with fino sherry and um, you can get some finos called enrama which means uh, they've got even more tastiness to them and they're sort of more recent to the season so they're always fun to look out for. Tom mentioned Palo Cortado I mean that has to be a Christmas treat tell us a little bit more about Palo Cortado because this is quite an unusual style of sherry and it's mm. not one that we come across very often no. on the market I hang on to the words I read in a book that, that said even the Spanish they argue about what they all mean so <laughs> I slightly go with that if I find one I like I will stick with it, it it's a mystery wine no one can really say with great confidence how it is made but it's very aged and it's extremely complex it's usually dry but has richness so there's a, a feeling that it might be sweet but it's really through through the richness um it's that, always quite a deep color isn't it right yeah. yeah i'm so excited at the thought of buying a palo cotado for christmas and having those i'll be thinking of you tom that, that little quiet moment just to enjoy, get my mind back in place for <laughs> <laughs> the next festivity. So talking of fortified wines and um, those wines which have been made a little bit stronger with the addition of some spirit, mm. we turn our attention to port, an absolute Christmas classic and a wine that you are particularly knowledgeable about, Tom. So... Tell us about one of the most delicious ports that you've drunk recently. Oh, well, it's going to have to be... My father, very, very fortunate, my father bought a lot of 63 Fonseca. 
and I've kind of known it over the years very, very well. And it's still, it's going, I sometimes think it needs even longer, but it's a wonderful wine. The 63 is obviously a scarce now. If you can find or have any 66s, they're in a very good place, as indeed are 1970. I think there was a slight change in the whole world, in Port- definitely um, in Portugal. 70 was kind of a different era, and then what's come since is slightly different from that. So 1970, very special vintage. In terms of serving port, when would you serve these wonderful vintage ports, Tom? Vintage ports, I do feel, warrant coming at the end end of a meal. But on the other hand, some of the best port I've drunk has just been middle of the afternoon, just by chance. I think not just on its own, without having had anything before. You, you really appreciate the wine even more, generally at the end of a meal. Interesting. So there's perhaps something to be said for not saving the best till last. Yes, I, yeah. Rebecca, do you serve port at Christmas in your household? Yes, we de- definitely serve port and we will have a vintage port, of course. But my favourite is tawny. My absolute favourite is tawny. So I love the nutty side of tawny. Um, of course, love William Pickering. Absolutely fabulous. Love that warm, nutty, creamy toffee note that it gives. And it's so versatile. It can go with chocolate. We all get lots of boxes of chocolates at Christmas. So delicious with that. Delicious with cheese. And, you know, can go with a mince pie as well. So, yeah, that's what I get really excited about is the tawny port. And Taylor have brought out a very, very old tawny port for the platinum jubilee. So... That would be my my dream gift, actually. You know, not dropping any hints or anything, <laughs> but I did have a sip of it, and I thought it was amazing. That was so amazing that's that would be a very special treat uh, to have that, and of course, all the more poignant uh, to toast her late Majesty as well. But there's quite a lot of single vintage tawny ports on the market now. I see Graham's are doing some delicious ones. Quinta de la Rosa has got a lovely 30-year-old port. Uh, so there's, there's a lot of selection now, isn't there? There is actually, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so a whole rabbit warren of unctuous tawny ports to explore. Very interesting what you're saying about the the age. Of course, the great thing with fortified wines is they age for such a long time and that can make them to really special additions to mm. to any occasion. I think yeah. just going back to vintage port, is it's all very well talking about the, the venerable old vintages, but I think the port made in the last 10, 20 years is perhaps a bit more approachable. The quality is absolutely excellent. So don't, don't be frightened to be looking at a 94, which is drinking really well now. It's got a great future ahead, but, you know, decanted, left for an hour, absolutely delicious. And do you think that's true for um, for most of the younger fortified wines? I mean, would it be possible to drink a sort of 10-year-old port or do you think they need some age to, to get them going? Some, some age, but then we're all more used now to bigger, fuller, perhaps higher alcohol levels. So I think wouldn't be frightened of trying a, um, a younger port, but 10, 10 years is probably a little bit young still. But I guess if you wanted something more fruity, you could go for um, a Ruby Reserve or a late bottle vintage. So, you know, th- these wines are tremendous value, I think. Um, and they would have a small fruity side to them, not quite so so pruny and yep. forest floor yes. as, as yep. the ones that Tom is mentioning. But, you know, if you wanted more of the fruity kick, they, they would be excellent. And especially, you know, with the savouriness of cheese, fabulous. Tom, you mentioned decanting. There are lots of wonderful traditions around port 
decanting it, passing it to the left or possibly the right. I'm never quite sure which. <laughs> How many of these are important? I do think, I think decanting is important for, for really two reasons. Um, older port throws a sediment and you don't want that in your glass. And also it just benefits from having some air, um, the whole process of pouring it from the bottle into a decanter. And it needn't be complicated. A, um, a funnel helps, but you can buy those, a plastic funnel, ideal. A little bit of muslin, perhaps, just to, on an old port, you do get quite a lot of very fine particles. And just to pour the last bit through some muslin um, usually deals with those. But it's, it's all part, and it looks great. So a lot of port is, years gone by, never really had a label because it was bottled by your UK merchant and just sat in a bin unlabeled for 20, 30 years. So when it is served on the table, it's nice to have in candlelight in a nice, even a, just a simple, straightforward decanter. It doesn't have to be anything amazing. And whether it goes to the left or to the right or down the middle, <laughs> it really doesn't matter. In terms of serving port at your household, mm -hmm. Rebecca, is this at the very end of the meal? Is it served throughout the meal? Is it only for special occasions? Or do you drink it outside of Christmas time? It's for special occasions, uh, special, lovely get-togethers with friends. Always a little gap. My feeling is if you know you're going to bring out a special bottle of port, just take it a little bit easy in the run-up to that and have a nice gap so that we can really focus on the Absolutely. port and really enjoy the port. So that's very important, I think. In uh, fact, opening it on a Friday evening for a weekend when you've got friends coming, yeah. opening a bottle then and having a glass. Yeah. Saturday night, you'll have a few more glasses yeah, with them. Yeah. But the best glass will probably be the one you have on Sunday evening. Because yeah. <laughs> it does, just two or three days, I, it, it'll change and, and I think almost this certainly is, get better. This is a wonderful approach and that's very encouraging, uh, Tom, to that we all take our time and, and not think we have to consume the whole bottle straight away. That goes with the Sauternes, it goes with the Madeira, it goes with uh, all the sweet wines. They, they actually keep fantastically well uh, their complexity. It's absolutely fine to enjoy those. Okay, so actually these wines are perhaps not quite as fragile as we might uh, think. Mm -hmm. We can open the port, open the sweet wines and leave them uh, in the fridge for a couple of days and enjoy them over the space of a weekend or a few days. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so you would leave yours in the fridge? Is that well, how, how would vintage, you... I mean, a decanter of vintage port once opened, two days is probably about right. Just yeah. keep it somewhere cool and... and yeah, cool you know, in the out, house, out, a little cool corner. Right. Yeah. yeah. And we'll probably have plenty of cool corners this year, won't we? <laughs> <In our homes>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ideal port Needing conditions. the port to warm up. Always remember Berenice Lerton, just to go away from port for a minute, but she always said, keep an open bottle in the fridge. It lasts for weeks, if not months. So I, I just love that idea, yeah, you know, and really it, it should, does apply. Yeah, and you can that. just treat yourself to a little nip of it when, whenever the time is right. So Berenice makes fantastic Sautern. Yes. And of course... The, the sugar and the acidity are really wonderful preservatives and yeah. you get that in the port as well. So, mm -hmm. um, in fact, they're, they're quite quite robust when compared yeah, with I your... I that's a great way of putting it. They're robust. I love it, Barbara. Yeah. This is the time of year when there are always guests coming and going. Mm. How important is it to have a range of wines to offer your guests? Or do you just have... A few favourites that you go to time and again. I'd probably keep it shorter than too much range. Yeah. I would say we're the opposite. We've got we have a range. We have a range of you know aromatic light whites, and we have full-bodied reds. 
for when we're all together as a, as a family so everyone can have what they like, what they prefer. So if we're talking, you know, the main course, Chateauneuf de Paps, um, Riocas are always featuring on the table as well as white ones. But personally, I love a Riesling. I love a Riesling with with uh, the main course, you know. Uh, I just think it's so refreshing and rich and, and just a, a lovely compliment to whether it's going to be goose or even turkey. And what's Special cases of wine might you be withdrawing from your cellars in time for this Christmas. Tom, any particular cases you've been keeping for just this occasion? I'm quite into there's a, there's a southern Van de Pay, uh, Domaine Trevelon. I'm oh, yeah. keen on that at the moment. So mm. I think I, I might be looking, taking another look at that. 2010, mm. perhaps. Mm. It's a good wine. And it's got the weight. So the turkey, you know, if you're having turkey, it's not just the turkey. It's, it's everything else on the plate. It's the bread sauce, the Brussels sprouts. Oh. And all the other things mm, and those pretzels, mm. and those um devils they seem to have crept in <laughs> adding more to the plate so you, i think you need quite a robust red and i i'm you know if it wasn't that it might maybe a northern rain it doesn't have to be anything super special just something yeah. which will go well with with yeah. that whole mass on your plate and i, I think there's also a, a lot of people at christmas they want to have their favorite wine for some people, the matching side of it isn't so important, but their favourite wine is important. Yes. Um, so I think that's what you know we try to cater for is we've got that range for people to enjoy what they would like. But to answer your question, yes, we have some Janas, uh, Chateauneuf de Paps, stowed away. So we, we might think about unearthing that one for this Christmas. Fabulous. Lopez de Heredia, amazing. You got me thinking that. It should be a bit, <laughs> bit broader. <laughs> What sparkling, sweet or fortified wines might be on your Christmas wish list this year, Rebecca? I mentioned the very, very old Tawny Port made for the Platinum Jubilee by by Taylor. There's some 2006 uh, Sudero. And so that, I think, would be fabulous. Just a a range of flavours, sort of like a big organ voluntary. Uh, For me, that that would be exciting. Okay, well, here's another hint. How about 2008 Gosset Celebris? I think that would be pretty special. That really would be, yes. So, you know, we can always ask Santa Carl. Indeed. Mm. And Tom, what might be on your wish list? We haven't really mentioned Madeira enough, so I think it needn't be anything super special but a really well the age of these wines which which goes into them is is because they are under underused but i think you know a 10 year old or 20 year old madeira would be absolutely lovely yeah a boal or a mamsi i adore madeira and it's fabulous with cheese so yes it, it will definitely be on the table why do we think we don't hear so much about madeira these days why would you encourage people to seek out madeira there's more interest in it there are younger people behind it making it and i think it, it deserves a new image. I think in the past it's been very fusty, just the whole image of Madeira and the wine. But it's an amazing wine, with, especially with the food and very versatile. I would suggest the Comte route and Madeira is just the most amazing match with Comte, especially the 10-year-old that you were mentioning from Barbato. That's just um, a match made in heaven. Go the Comte route for Madeira, I'd say. It's the high acidity that doesn't take centre stage to the lovely nutty cheese, but there is some nuttiness in the Madeira as well through its the fact that it's been aged. Sounds wonderful, actually. Quite... 
It's very interesting. You both mentioned Riesling earlier on and the acidity and the freshness. And now we're coming around to Madeira again, the acidity and this idea that these wines, mm, they don't have to be heavy. They've got this freshness that can work with all of the different Christmas foods. I think that's very interesting. Mm, central theme, yeah. Well, all that remains for me to say is Tom, Rebecca, Thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with me and thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Drinking Well, a podcast by Berry Brothers and Rudd. If you'd like to browse the producers mentioned in today's episode and see what wines we have available, visit bbr.com podcast. Or if you're interested in starting a fine wine collection with Berry Brothers and Rudd, all the information you need can be found on bbr.com collecting. If you've enjoyed this episode, please do leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. We hope to welcome you back soon. But until then, thank you for listening to this episode of Drinking Well.